those that are in the foyer and they can hear my voice and begin to start walking in as, as we get ready to worship the Lord. Amen. Who's excited for this day? Amen. The, the scripture says, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. So at this moment, we're going to call our brother Andrew Sianski to come up and testify. Let's give him a hand. Amen. Thank you. Hi, everybody. My name is Andrew. I'm one of the governing elders here. And I just want to testify of God's faithfulness. Uh, it's actually similar to uh, Marcel's testimony a few weeks ago. Uh, how many of you know my beautiful daughter, Danielle? Have you met her? Amen. She's a beautiful, vibrant, loving, young little girl. Amazing. Um, but when she was in my wife's womb, uh, the doctors had a, a similar report. There were spots on the uh, ultrasound on her abdomen, on her heart, which they said indicates probably Down syndrome and other health issues. And they suggested terminating the pregnancy. Um, but how many know God is faithful and he can heal even in the womb, right? Uh, so she is beautiful today, as I said. And I just want to encourage you guys with this passage from James chapter 5, the prayer of faith. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing a song of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this day, God. I thank you for each of us here. Lord, as we celebrate All Nations Dinner today, I pray that you be with us, that your Holy Spirit will dwell through us, Father God, and that will, your faith will just rise up in your people, and we will see this city change for you, Lord God. So be with us today. Be with us in the service and the fellowship. In Jesus' name I pray.
Come on, every voice, let's sing this. I'm in the clouds. I'm in. In this love. In this love. Heaven opens up. I'm in the fire. I'm in. Come on, in this joy. In this joy. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. Why don't you look to your neighbor and tell him we're so happy to see him here. Come on, give your neighbor a high five. Welcome to church. We're so excited to be in the house of the Lord, not just because we get to eat some tasty food, but we get to worship our God. Amen. It's just been a crazy week, but we know our God is greater, amen? So let's lift our hands right now in faith. Come on, Lord, would you just pour out your grace and your love upon your people? God, we don't walk in fear. We don't have a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. So God, meet us in this place. As we lift your name, come on, just say the name of Jesus this morning. Go say his name, say Jesus. Higher than the mountains that I've 
Sing high Church, let's proclaim stronger. He never changes. Come on, sing constant.
awesome God. Do you know it this morning, church? Do you know that? Our God is awesome. Our God is mighty. There is no one like him. There is only one true living God. He created the heavens and the earth. He created you. He formed you in your mother's womb. He holds you in, your, in his hands. The Bible says that he has engraved our names in the palm of his hands. We are the apple of his eye. All creation belongs to him. He spoke and it came to be. There wasn't a big bang. There was a big word that was spoken and boom, it came. And then God said, and then God said, and there was. He speaks life. There is comfort in his presence. I want us to turn our attention this morning to pray for the nations, specifically Paris. I know that all of our hearts have been broken. We're broken for our world. We're broken for where we are. But I want you guys to understand we're living in the last days. I know we just had a sermon series that touched on that. But we are literally in the last minutes of the last hour in this last day. Jesus is coming back and that is good news and our hearts and our prayers in the midst of all the evil and the turmoil needs to be jesus come back come lord jesus and in the midst of this save souls because the time is short so we as the church need to be standing in the gap for the last end time harvest to come in and i want to read to you in matthew 24 starting in verse 4 and i'm going to read all the way down to verse 14 Matthew 24 verse 4 Jesus told them 
He was speaking to his disciples, and this is what he's telling us today. How much more profound are these words 2,000 years later? Don't let anyone mislead you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many, and you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world, but all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. Then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. That has been happening by the multitudes. Just in the last 10 years alone, not even counting the past 2,000 years of history, just in the last 10 years alone, multitudes of Christians being slaughtered for their faith in Jesus. Then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. Verse 10, and many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere. Is that, that our society today? And the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And I pray, Metro Praise International, that you are in that number, that we will endure till the end. Because there's going to be more tragedies that we will see until Jesus comes back. Verse 14, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. So I want us to lift up our hands in prayer right now. I want you to lift up your voices. I don't want you to be ashamed. I want us to cry out for the salvation of our nations. God, I pray that you would send forth your rain. Send forth healing rain. Send down revival rain. Stretch forth your hand to save, oh God. Because with you it is possible. With man it is impossible. But with you all things are
We sing, send your rain, send your rain, send your rain. We send your rain, send your rain, send your rain. send your rain, send your rain, send your rain. send your rain, send your rain, send your rain. Send your rain, send your rain, send your rain. Send your rain, send your rain, send your rain. Let's be still in his presence. I feel like the Lord wants to send forth a word. God, we will be still in your presence. Speak, Lord, we are listening. If anybody feels like they have a prophetic word for this moment, I want to release you at this time. Thank you, Jesus. We need your refreshing, oh God. We need an outpouring of your spirit over all the nations of the world like never before. Oh God, our eyes are on you. You are our king. You are our master. You are our Lord. Heal the nations. Come on, one more time. Let's send this. Send your rain. Send your rain, send your rain, send your rain. Send your rain, send your rain, send your rain. Send your rain, send your rain, send your rain. Send your rain, send your rain, send your rain. Hallelujah, Jesus, we exalt your name. We thank you, Lord, that for times of refreshing are in our midst, oh God, and we will continue to serve you. We will continue to fulfill the great commission and call on your name, God, and preach the gospel and make disciples until you come back, oh God, and we will fear not, for you are with us to the very end of the age. And everybody said amen and amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise because he is worthy and he is awesome and he is great. children go learn about Jesus praise God you may be seated
We thank you, everybody, for joining us this morning to Metro Praise International. We welcome you all. At this time, I'm going to preach the gospel to you. My name is Nancy Wyrostek. I'm one of the apostolic elders here. And every week, we want to give forth the good news of the gospel. And the gospel means good news, and the good news is all about Jesus and that he came to save us. In Acts chapter 4, verse 12, it says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. So if you're not right with God today, if you do not have a relationship with Jesus, you have not repented of your sin, you have not been born again, you are not promised heaven. The Bible says it is the name of Jesus that by all men must be saved. There is no other name, not Buddha, not Muhammad, not Hare Krishna, no other religion, no other cult will save you. It's only by the blood of Jesus, by the name of Jesus. And when we call on his name and confess with our mouth that he is Lord and believe in our hearts that he raised from the dead, we will be saved. And so if you're not right with God, I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. Get right today because you're not promised tomorrow. You're not, nobody is promised tomorrow. Today we need to live for Jesus. We can't put it off for another moment. We can't put it off to go home and fix stuff. Today, right now, here in the presence of God, this is your opportunity. This is your chance to find salvation in him. So with all eyes closed all across this room, you know if you're not right with God. The Bible says that unless a man is born again, he will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Today needs to be your spiritual birthday. Your spirit needs to be made alive. It needs to be born again. And as I begin to pray, if you know you need to get right with God, I want you to pray to Jesus. And I want you to get it right. Lord, we just thank you for your mighty presence in this place. Jesus, we thank you for the cross. We thank you for your blood that washes us clean and makes us righteous in your standing because nothing that we can do in and of ourselves can save us. But it's only by your blood. It's only the name of Jesus. And I pray that every single person in this place who is not right with you, that they would get right today, that today they would be saved. Today they would find salvation in you. In Jesus' name I pray and everybody said amen and amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. He is awesome. You may be, uh, if you could please join me on your feet. We're going to prepare to confess our confession of faith. During our fellowship time, I want to encourage you. If you mean business with God today and you want to get it right, we have prayer workers right here, Pastor Berto and Pastor Griselda, who will pray with you, teach you, encourage you, and let you know how you can get plugged into this church so you can get discipled, amen? So we really want to make them available to you in just a couple moments during our fellowship time where we're all hanging out. I Go to them, get some prayer. On the count of three, we're going to recite this. The reason why we do this is because this is our Christian worldview. This is how we see the world, and we stand upon the word of God. So on the count of three, one, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. And the second coming of Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead. 
I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Spend some time meeting somebody that you don't know and give out a lot of hugs. excited to be at church this morning make some noise come on we're so excited that you guys are all here welcome to Metro Praise International our service is here our every Sunday 
at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. And then Fridays, we have Elevate at 7 p.m. for ages 11 to 18 years old. If you're in that gr age group, you have got to be here on Fridays. They are ready to love on you. We want to welcome everybody for our All Nations dinner for both of our services today. How many of you guys came hungry? How many of you guys came representing your countries? Come on. I finally decided what I was going to make. I came with some Greek rice. We got some cannolis to represent Italy. That's Joe's side. Last year we represented the Polish side, but whatever country you represented, I'm sure the food is going to be delicious. And we are excited to eat and fellowship with you guys after service. We also want to let you guys know about our Thanksgiving outreach, which is Thanksgiving morning, November 26th at 9.30 a.m. You guys can all meet here at that time, and then we'll be all driving to the west side by Ohio and Cicero area, joining Universal MB Church for their annual Thanksgiving outreach. We've been doing this for several years, and it's just an awesome time for the church to get together and meet the needs of the community. So if you want to come, bring your family, bring your friends, do something awesome that Thanksgiving morning, and then it'll give you plenty of time to go home and get everything ready for your meal with your family. Our vision here is very simple. It's loving God and loving people. We want to do that with everything inside of us. Our discipleship strategy is threefold. It's connect, mentor, and send. Somebody say connect. Say mentor. Say send. If you turn around your handout, you'll find a schedule of our life groups. That's how we want you to connect to the church, connect to Jesus. It's through our life groups. We want to encourage you to find a place to belong, find a life group that's going to meet the needs of you and your family. We have all different times and days and places. So take a look at that. Find a place for you to commit to and be faithful to. Here's a snapshot of what's happening this week. Somebody say busy, busy, busy. We got a fun-packed week. Starting today, we have our marriage group. Ma clap it up, married folk. Make some noise. You guys are meeting today. Child care is included, 5 p.m. There's the address. Tuesday, we have the Resistance Youth Life Group. Come on. 11 to 18 years old, 6 p.m., meeting at the church. Wednesday, Righteously Redeemed Youth Life Group, 11 to 18 years old, 6 p.m., also meeting at the church. Every Wednesday, King's Kids, infant to 11 years old, 6.30 here at the church. Drop off your children. Pick them up at 8. It's an awesome time for them to get discipled. We have Royal Rangers Boys Club, Impact Girls Club. It's an awesome time for our children. Then also every Thursday, we have our gang outreach, 18 years and up, 7 p.m., meeting at that address. And we just want to encourage you guys, they do that every week, reaching out to the young people who are in gangs and preaching the gospel. Friday every week, we have two adult Bible studies available for you. One is at the Govea's house. The other one is at the Walker's house, 18 years and up, 7 p.m. You have got to be there if you're an adult. Get plugged in. Get connected. Make friends. Pastor Jared is shouting me down. He wants you at his house. Pastor Jared, stand up, please. He wants you at his house. If you are not going, you have got to go to this man's house because they're blowing it up. And then every uh, oh, this Saturday, Ambassadors Youth Give it up for our youth. They are all meeting this week, getting discipled, winning their friends. They're meeting um, at church this Saturday, 3 p.m., 11 to 18 years old. And then we have our evangelism that's also meeting on Saturday. All ages are welcome, 5 p.m., meeting here, hitting the, streets, hitting the streets and preaching the gospel. So join them if you have not yet. So, so much stuff to do. Then we want to mentor you. Somebody say mentor. We want to take you through the 101 book. Leaders are ready to take 
this journey of discipleship with you. Welcome to your new life, seven steps to spiritual growth. When you graduate the 101, you'll get into the 201 class, Disciples That Make Disciples, where we train you to be a leader because we want to send you out to win more people for the Lord because we are in the last days and we know that the last day harvest is going to be plentiful. and We want to be the workers that bring that harvest in for the Lord. And our goal is to have 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches and 500 around the world. If you want to be a part of that, say amen. Come on. We're going to get into our tithe and offering lesson from the Disciples Giving book. We are on section four, which is all about hindrances. This is the last, the last section of the book. Today is lesson four, overcoming discouragement. How many of you guys have ever been discouraged before? We need to overcome that hindrance by the word of God. A hindrance is something that prevents us from being obedient to God's commands. And here's a scripture that we're going to be reading. Galatians 6, 9. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, somebody say proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So we don't have quitters here. We have people that are going to be faithful, that are not going to allow discouragement to bring them down. Here are the three main points that we can glean from that verse. Number one, don't get weary in doing good. We should never get tired and discouraged in following God's commands because they are life given to our souls. However, you may get tempted to get discouraged and give up because you don't see changes in your finances. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you encouragement and energy to remain faithful. See, when we remain faithful, then we become fruitful. But when we're inconsistent, when we become discouraged, and we let that take over our life, especially in the area of finances and not committing to the Lord, then we're not going to reap the harvest because it says at the proper time, if we don't give up, we'll get the harvest. So let's stay faithful. Let's stay encouraged by the word of God. And be in prayer. Ask the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you. Number two, at the proper time, God promised there is a proper time. Say proper time. That we will be blessed because of our giving. But if we don't give generously all the time, we will, we will miss that time of blessing. Therefore, be consistent in your giving all the time and get ready for harvest time. Come on, I know that makes me excited. Number three, those who don't give up, reap a harvest. You may have a hundred excuses to be discouraged and not be a giver all the time. But one reason should encourage you to never give up. Love for God. Out of your love for God, be encouraged to never give up, being generous because God's blessings are coming your way. And we want to be faithful to experience that. Here's the summary. Overcome discouragement by being encouraged by God's promise that you will reap a harvest. And his promises are yes and amen. They are true. And here's the application. Number one, be faithful in giving your tithes, 10% of your total income and your offerings, anything you give after your tithes. Number two, repent if you have allowed fatigue and discouragement to prevent you from being consistent in your giving to God. And three, ask God to encourage and strengthen you to never give up in doing good so you can reap a harvest at the proper time. Let's confess this over our life. We want that to be our testimony, our witness. The faithfulness of God proves true when we stay true to him. So let's confess this on the count of three. One, two, three. By the power of the Holy Spirit and the guidance of the word of God, I will not be hindered by greed, laziness, unbelief, discouragement, or fatigue in my giving to God. I will overcome bitterness, impatience, fear, pride, fear, idolatry, and live a life of obedience in my finances. Please stand with me to your feet this morning. As we prepare to give the Lord our very best, our tithes and our offerings, 
this is also an act of worship. So this is a very holy thing. We don't take it lightly. We want to honor God in all that we do. Again, MPI believes that a tithe is 10% of our total income. An offering is anything above, above that. That is in an amount between you and the Lord, and we designate that towards missions and towards building. And we want to give you guys our announcement that the sign is ready. Give yourselves a hand clap because just last Sunday, we knocked it out. The last $1,063 was raised just last Sunday. They went too fast. You're not supposed to see that yet. Let's rejoice about the sign one more time. So for a grand total of $9,503, the sign is ready to be ordered. We're already doing it. It's in the works. It's going to take several weeks to kind of make it happen. So just be in prayer that everything goes through and that that gets up at least by the end of December. So that's, what, that's our goal. That's what we're hoping for. Thank you, thank you, thank you. What a generous people. I mean, God is just so awesome, so faithful, and he uses us to accomplish what he wants in a city. So, again, we thank you guys. Here's another announcement. We have hoodies. Come on, Chicago for Jesus hoodies. And we also have a lot of T-shirts. So if you guys want to get some stocking stuffers, those little mini tees will fit in a stocking. Get some hoodies for your family for Christmas, great Christmas gifts. So they are ready. Get yours today. We are so excited about them. And they're such a witness. I just want to brag a little bit. Laura, if you could come on up. I think her husband, Marcel, is greeting, doing security. Last year, we went to Gobert's Farm, uh, my husband and I with the family, and Joe had his Chicago for T-shirt on, and they were in line to do the camel ride, and they uh, were kind of backslidden. They weren't serving the Lord. Marcel grew up kind of knowing the Lord. She, too, was, and that shirt just sparked a conversation, and they have been serving the Lord, getting discipled in our church for the past year. Give it up. Thank you. So God can do so much. Just, just from that witness, that could be a conversation starter. So we really want to encourage you guys. Get them. Preach the gospel through your T-shirt, Chicago for Jesus. People will ask you questions. So we just thank you guys for um, being a part of the vision. We also have two other convenient ways for you to give or purchase items in the church using your debit or credit cards. One is online at our easy-to-use website, and the other is with me or Pastor Griselda. Please see us before or after service if you have any questions about that. Let's recite this verse together. Luke 6, 38, Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your faithfulness and your generosity to our lives. We thank you for meeting our needs according to your glorious riches in Christ Jesus. We determine, God, that we will be faithful, that we will not get discouraged, allow fatigue to come in, but we will be faithful with the tithe, being obedient to what you called us to do so that in the proper time we will reap a harvest in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. Please come forward as you give this morning, and thank you so much for your generosity.
If you're ready to love Jesus, make some noise. Woo! Come on, are you guys excited to be in church this morning? You know, the Bible says that the church should be a house of prayer for the nations. And that's why we do All Nations Dinner at least once a year, if not more. And so I want to thank everybody for coming out, for making it special. And you know what's so great about this church is that we have over now 15 nations with 30-plus dishes represented in this church. Can you give the Lord a hand clap for that? Amen. And so I want to start off by doing something very special. I want to have every language say praise the Lord. Amen. So I'm going to start off with our Filipinos, our Panais. Would you please say praise the Lord? For the rest of you, prepared that word in your mind. Prepared because I'm coming around to you. Mabuhay ka, Lord. Okay, one more time. Mabuhay ka, Lord. And everybody said amen. 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 Let's have you do the Latina Espanol. Alabanza Dios. Amen. Everybody who's Spanish, uh, say that out loud or Latino. One, two, three. Alabanza Dios. Amen. Amen. I have some other languages here. Our sister from India, you're looking it up. Okay, you know how to say praise the Lord? You know, a lot of our language speakers here, like I know we're going to Iranian Arabic next, maybe don't say Christian words. You know, they know how to talk to their mom. I'm hungry. I'm going to do the laundry. But uh, what's, can you say, like, I love you, Jesus, or something in your language? Amen. Isn't that awesome? Okay, and now we're going to go to Iranian. Can you say something in Arabic about Jesus? Amen. Where's my wife in Greek? Come on up here. We're going to say it in Greek. And then I know we have some other languages here we're going to say. Come on. Oh, somebody say Amen. Okay, I know we have a lot of Latino nations, so does anybody want to say it in Puerto Rican? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. That's where a lot of our nations come from. Am I forgetting anybody else's nation? What's that? Italian. Well, you know, I don't know how to speak Italian. That's sad, I know. Any Polish speakers here? I know we have some in the second service that will be coming, some German we used to have. But you know what's so beautiful is 15 different nations are represented. Let's give it up for Jesus one more time. Amen. Open up your Bibles with me to John chapter 15. So glad that you're here today. We're in a sermon series called Abide, and we're learning about abiding in Jesus, you know, learning to trust him, to rest in him. And today we're going to be looking at that passage that we've been so familiar with this month so far, and then we're going to be teaching today on trusting the gardener. Everybody say, trust the gardener. Amen. Now see if you see a gardener in our passage today, John 15, 1 and onward. The gardener is another word for vine dresser. Everybody needs to know that the word vine dresser means gardener. So I want us to see if we can see this today in the scriptures. If you're there in John 15, verse 1, somebody say, I'm there. Thank you. Let's look at it. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. He's the gardener. So who is the gardener? The father. Now, let's do what we've been doing every week so far in this series. Whenever you see the word abide, you say it out with me. So everybody say abide. Okay, let's keep going. Verse 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. 
You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, thank you, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Come on, somebody. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who, amen, in me, and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so that you will be my disciples. Now listen to these last verses. It's very important, especially for today. The Father is the gardener. Look at verse 9. As the Father loved me, I have also loved you abide in my love if you keep my commandments you will abide in my love just as I keep I've kept my father's commandments and abide in his love everybody say the father is the gardener now I want you to look at this illustration here of a gardener now you know we're not really an agricultural people maybe some of our relatives lived on farms before they moved to this country I know that's what my Polish and uh, Italian ancestors did and uh, maybe some of you uh, still go and visit the farm. I know I like to do that around our neighborhood. My wife was talking about that during the holidays. Uh, you know, go out there like for Halloween. Does anybody do that? Go to farms, go pumpkin patches, apple orchards. Well, you know, these patches, these uh, vineyards, these gardens, they need a gardener. They need a vine dresser. They need someone to take time to take care of these plants. Now, plants can grow wild, but they won't grow as good wild as they will if someone is looking after them. And so here uh, is a gardener. He's taking care of this vineyard. He has to go in with those pruning shears, those big old scissors, and he has to make sure that the fruit is taken care of. He's going to cut away bad leaves, bad vines, bad branches. He's going to manipulate the growth of the fruit so that it's unhindered. He's going to make sure that that grape, that cluster of grapes rather, can grow healthy. Now, the Bible teaches us that this is our Father. Our Father gets His hands dirty in our lives and wants to prune things out. He wants to put the right things in, and He wants to watch over us. Well, we have a problem, if we're going to be honest, when we think about God being the vine dresser. When we think about God doing these things for us, what is the first thing that many of us have come into our heart? If you're honest, especially after what has happened here in uh, Paris, is what we have come into our heart is questions like, why, God, did you allow that to happen? God, if you are truly watching over us, if you are truly our gardener, if you're our vine dresser, why are you allowing these things to happen in the garden? God, you, you're a good God, and I know you don't like evil, so why does evil happen? And some of us may go deeper and ask these kind of questions. God, if you cared about me, why would you let my mother die of cancer or my father die early? Or for me personally, God, why would you allow my sister to die drinking and driving? You see, a lot of us suffer problems in life, whether it's a big problem of Paris and the terrorism attacks or if it's the everyday issues of life, we have to ask this tough question. Where's the gardener? Where is he? 
Why is he allowing the evil of this world into our garden? You know, um, a tragedy like Paris sometimes makes the, the worst out of Facebook. And I just get disgusted sometimes about what starts to happen. And one of the things that started to happen on Facebook is there started to become arguments about why are we caring about Paris when there's other things that are going bad in America and uh, this, this shouldn't be, Paris shouldn't be as important to us as America. And, we, and there began to be fights over what should be more important to us. Well, it, well, it's everything should be important to us. But the problem is we as humans, we, we can't take it all in. We, we don't have the capacity to take in all the suffering of the world. And so what we do, and I don't know how much the media plays a part of this, but the the, the human heart can only take so much. And so, yes, we're, we're caring about black lives and what's going on in the South or with police officers, you know. And we care about what's going on in Chicago and the murders. And we care about immigration. And we also care about over 100 people being violently murdered in Paris. And we also care about the conflict of the Palestinians with the Israelis. And, and we care about what's going on in Syria. But it's so hard to wrap our mind around all of it. And I think sometimes on Facebook we can become numb and start fighting about it instead of praying about it, instead of doing something about it. We're not here to fight with each other and say which one is more important. It's all important. But the bigger question is, is, is it important to God? Because we may find ourselves in a place where we question, God, if I care, why don't you care? God, if I could have stopped the terrorists in Paris, I would have. And God, you could have, so why didn't you? God, all you had to do was let one email slip through in their plans to the FBI or whatever these guys have in France, and it could have been thwarted. Or, or God, all you had to do was have someone stop this, and then all these people wouldn't have died. And, and, and you may ask that very fair question. God, if I would stop evil, if I knew about it, why don't you stop evil and you know about it? Have you ever thought about that? See, those go into our deeper questions of our heart is, if God knows about evil, why doesn't he stop evil? Why doesn't this gardener do more? Sometimes we feel like God's all in our business, that he cares about every little detail of our life, and he knows every hair on our head. But if he cares about all those details, why doesn't he care that there's a sick child in a hospital right now? Why doesn't God care that my friend's twins, one was born, uh, Isaac, was born without half of his intestines, and from that day forward for 11 years now he's been suffering? You know, a lot of times what will happen is, is the evil of this world will make us question if the gardener is even there. And this is now why in our modern age of science, we think we can figure everything out and pretty much just say, well, God probably never existed anyways. God was just an explanation for our ancestors when they were afraid of the weather, when they didn't understand a thunderstorm. That's God up there. He's moving furniture around, right? When something bad would happen, oh, that's because we've made God mad. Or if we light a fire and we dance around it in the desert, maybe God will send us rain. And so now modern science says we know where rain comes from. We can probably even show you where maybe ethics come from. We help each other so we can survive longer. And, and then the scientists say, well, we can even share with you where some life comes from. It evolves over time. And so now a lot of people in our modern society say, hey, the best thing you can do is wake up and realize there is no gardener at all. 
There's no one tending to your life. You're just a wild grapevine somewhere in the wilderness that will be here today and gone tomorrow. No one cares. No one looks over you. No one watches you. For a short time, you'll provide for your family and you'll try to do the good you can, but influenza or any numerous, numerous of diseases can just wipe you out and you'll be forgotten along with your family. But is that the truth? I mean, these are tough questions to ask. This is probably the kind of questions that today people are asking in France. These are the kind of questions that I hear from people at funerals is, where is the gardener? Where's he at in the midst of all of this? Where is our God? If he cares so much, where is he? One of the things that I want you to see as you read through this passage is that the Bible says our God is present the whole time. But we aren't always present with him. You see, ten times in this passage, Jesus is saying to us, abide with him. Abide with him. Stay with him. Remain with him. Be connected to him. Don't unplug yourself from him. Just like an electric guitar won't work if it's not plugged in. Don't unplug yourself from him. Okay, well, that gives us part of the explanation that man is unplugged from God. But where does the rest of it come from? Well, we have to now take a journey to the Garden of Eden. And we have to see how God made us in his image to know him, to walk with him. And now we see the purpose of mankind wasn't just to do things. It was to be a son or daughter of God. But yet in that garden, there was a way out. There was a way for us to choose that if we did not want to be in a relationship, we could get out. And so he put a tree there. Trees were all around. It was a garden. It was there for their sustenance. It was there for them to eat and get nourishment from. But God said, here is a tree in this garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that if you eat of this you don't have to be in my presence anymore. And now you can decide what is good and evil. But here's the catch. You'll die. That's the penalty. You'll die. Now here comes Eve to this tree. She looks at it. She says, this looks good unto me. And now she sees there's a serpent there. And now the story begins to tell us that the serpent is questioning God's character. That the serpent is telling the woman lies. And this is what he tells her. He says, when you eat of the tree of knowledge and good of evil, you won't die, but your eyes will be open and you will be like God. And you'll get to decide what is good and evil. So right here in the Garden of Eden, mankind has a choice. To trust God for what is good and evil. To make life about God in his presence. Or to become their own God. To decide for themselves what is good and evil. And then if it was true based on Satan's lie, they could live forever as their own God. They eat of the tree. Eve first, then she gives it to Adam. And instantly they recognize they're naked. 
they instantly recognized that there was a connection between them and God of the spirit, but now it's broken. You look at a light, it may say GE on the light bulb. You can't read it if the light is on. If the light is off, you can look at it because when the light is on, that which is translucent fades away and the light is all that is seen. When they had the glory of God shining through them as a light, they never knew they were naked because the glory of God by the Holy Spirit was their source of life. And now it's dead and all they see is this, dust of the earth. And then their mind creates fear. And they run and hide from God. And God says, why are you running and hiding from me? See, they had never ran, ran and hid from God before. They always ran to God. We don't know how long they were in that garden before they ate of that tree, but they were in fellowship with God. The Bible says God even had a particular time that he would come. In the cool of the day, God would come and walk with them side by side. But now God comes and they run and hide. And God says, why are you hiding? And they say, because we heard you and we are naked. And he says to them, who told you you're naked? And the answer is obvious. I did. And it's evil to me. I don't have the glory anymore, and I'm afraid to stand in your glorious presence. The story simply ends by God killing an animal, clothing them with the wool that came from it, and then kicking them out of the garden. But my friends, it's so important to realize that there was our disconnection. And what do we see next in the Bible story is Cain and his brother Abel. And they're out giving offerings. They're doing good things to God. And within a short matter of time, one of them disobeys God. One does not bring the proper sacrifice, but his brother does. And now jealousy comes in his heart. You see, the devil lied to us. We thought we would be gods knowing good from evil, but now we're so unlike him. And now the sin we have only brings death. And his jealousy wants to kill his brother. And Jesus comes to him and says, hey, Cain, what is your problem? And he says, I am jealous of this, of what you did for my brother. And then God says to Cain, if you do what's right, I'll bless you too. But he said, sin is crouching at your door. And then we see that Cain doesn't choose right. He chooses evil. He kills his brother. Do you understand how disconnected we are from God? Does this now make sense to you a little bit more? This is why there is evil in the world. We are disconnected. The hard drive of our brains is not correct anymore. That is why Jesus came to die on the cross, to reconnect us, to put one hand to heaven, the other to earth, and bring us to him. He came so that there may be a way for us and that we may be reborn. That in this body of death, in this clay jar that will once be dead and broken on the ground and turned back to dust, I could have the precious oil of the Spirit. I could have the precious love of God within me. And that is what Jesus is talking about. He is saying to us who are looking at the tragedies of Paris, he's saying, come back. Come back and abide in me. Come back and connect to me. I will change the way you think. I will change how you live. I will change how you treat people. 
And so what is religion? What is Islam? What is Hinduism? What is anything outside of Christianity? It is a false way. It is another way. But Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So what do we do? We get connected through Jesus. That's what this world is showing us. That's what Paris shows us is that evil is really evil. That's what abortion shows us is that evil is evil. If God didn't allow us to see evil, we would think there was no consequence. We would live in evil and then go to hell and blame him and say, why didn't you tell us the bridge was broken? That's why I drove off into the cliff. You see, God allows evil to hurt in this world. He allows pain to hurt. Even when we see that precious child that's sick with the disease, and we say, why is this disease here? It's here because humanity disconnected. But what did Jesus promise? Jesus promised that he took the child's sickness. So even if that child dies now, that earthly body dies, that child lives forever with Jesus. Even if someone dies tragically in an accident, they live forever with Jesus. So what are we teaching our children? What are we teaching them? More superheroes? More, more sports and entertainment? More waste of our time? What is France going to rally behind now? Just political change? Just more of the same old, same old? Or is this going to awaken the people of France to a God who created them and doesn't want them to have evil? His Lord's Prayer, he taught us, deliver us from evil. Deliver us, us, all of us. Deliver ISIS from evil. Deliver the young woman who wants to have an abortion because she's afraid to raise her child. Deliver her from evil. Deliver me from evil, a pastor, when I'm about ready to lose my temper with my wife. Deliver you from evil. That's what we're to pray. And keep me connected to you, Jesus. You see, if we understand that the gardener's been here the whole time, but we haven't always been with them, we can begin to understand the book of Genesis, and we can begin to understand why the world is this way, and this is the only solution. What else are you going to do? Where else are you going to turn? Who offers you a better solution than Jesus? Think about that. Think about that. I don't want to pick on other religions today, but I want to contrast. What do other religions offer you and compare to Jesus? Come do this. They all say something similar. Come do this and God may be pleased. Come do this and God may be pleased. That is not Jesus. Where is Jesus saying that? He says ten times, abide. That's the difference. Jesus doesn't say, come work, come pray five times a day, and then maybe you'll get in on the, the, on the day of judgment. Keep working, keep working, and then maybe you get in. Even the Roman Catholic faith, even though I love Roman Catholics, my family, some of them is Roman Catholic. Listen to me. They're not even sure of their own salvation. Have I repented enough? Have I confessed enough to the Father? Have I lit enough candles? Or might I end up in purgatory when I'm done? Hello, somebody. The only thing that ends the cycle of humanity's efforts to try to save themselves is the cross of Jesus. He says, I did the work. When you look at the cross, you're looking at God in the flesh doing the work. He put in the work. He did it. That's why hell is what it is. It's because if you don't trust that, there is no other hope for you. 
Some of you think, well, I, well, God, I don't need to believe in the cross. Let me just be a good person. You can never be a good person. How much good do you think you're going to do to get to heaven? Just ask a murder person right now. Anybody, if you've ever done jail ministry, I have. You can talk to a murderer. You know what they'll say? I've only murdered once. I only did it for a few seconds. Pulled out the gun. Boom, boom, boom. That was it. All my other life, I was a good person. You'll talk to their parents. He was a good kid. Would you let the murderer off because 20 years of their life was good, but 45 seconds was bad? Would you say, well, your, your good outweighs your bad. Go ahead. No, you would say, this 45 seconds of murder, this 45 seconds of murder brings justice that the good works can't take away. You need to be punished for that, that, that 45 seconds. You need that, that there is justice that needs to be served there. And all of this doesn't matter. Hello, married couples. 20 years of marriage, you cheat on your wife one time. It's gone. It's gone. Hello. It's the real world we live in. Why do we have that sense of justice? Why do we know on the inside that one thing spoils it all? Because God made us that way. And yet we think we're going to be good enough to go to heaven. How many times could you pray to make up for one sin? let alone the thousands you've done, thousands. In this church, I put together a list of if you just sinned a few times a day for your life, just a few times, three times a day in your whole life, you would have committed 70,000 sins. Now do you understand? That's why Jesus says abide. He says abide. He says come. And in another place, he says come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. You can't do this on your own. And so the question we have to ask ourselves now as we get to the message, somebody said that was just the introduction. The question we have to ask ourselves now is do we trust him? That's the question. How many are ready for the message? Amen. Let's turn on our Bibles to Romans. Let's turn in our Bibles to Romans chapter 8. We got warm food back there for you. We're going to make sure the burners are on. Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. But I hope that you're going to be excited to hear this. Because this is why I trust the Father. This is why I trust Him. And there are others here that trust Him and who have gone through hardships just like what some of you may be facing. Romans chapter 8, verse 31 and onward. If you're there, can you say I'm there? Thank you. What then shall we say in response to this? If, the God, if God the Father is for us, who can be against us? Now I'm going to say this again, okay, because I didn't read it correctly. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God the Father is for us, who can be against us? Isn't that amazing? If God the Father is for you, who can be against you? Now you ask yourself this question as I get ready to read it, because I had to as well. Does this passage paint a life through the yellow brick road, skipping in the rain, only smelling roses all the time? Or does this passage present to you the real life you face, but yet give you hope? Gives hope in hopeless situations. Hello. What then shall we say in response to this? If God the Father is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is it that condemns? No one. Everybody say no one. No one condemns us when we're in Christ Jesus. 
Christ Jesus who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, and he's interceding for us. That's why I don't need Father Tom to intercede for me. I can pray directly to the Father, to Jesus. That's why I don't need Saint Joseph. I can go right to Jesus, the Son of the living God. Are you listening? I'm not angry with anybody. I'm just telling you the truth. My Lord and Savior, hallelujah, is next to the Father, and he's interceding for me. He is saying, Father, don't let Joe fall. Don't let Joe fail. And I'll tell you what, Jesus gets answers to his prayers. He's praying for you. He's praying for me. Now look at this. Look at the encouragement that we get. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? You see, that's what keeps us connected in that vine. That's what keeps us connected, and that's what's going to help us trust him. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now listen, shall trouble or hardship, terrorist attacks, death in our family, shall trouble, hardships, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword? As it is written, we face death all day long and are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Do you ever feel like that in life? There are people right now in Syria that feel that way. They feel like they're sheep being led to slaughter. That's what they felt like in Paris. But sometimes even when you have someone sick in your life, you just feel like all we're going to do is live and die. But listen, the Bible says you may feel that way, you may face death, you may be in the shadow of death, but fear no evil for the Lord God is with you. His rod and staff will comfort you. No. Everybody say no. No in all of these things. We are more than conquerors through him who what? Who loved us, for I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor death. Anybody afraid of heights in here? Come on. Neither height nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, the Father that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Hallelujah. Love conquers all. Love conquers all. One day the world will be turned right. One day everything that we've seen done unjustly, done wrong, will be made right. And what our Father is asking us to do right now is trust His love. He says, trust that I love you. Trust that I'm with you. Have my brother here from Romania, one of my favorite uh, friends or uh, one of my favorite leaders in the church was a Romanian Christian, Richard Wombrandt, and he was arrested by the communists and put into a solitary cell where they pumped in communist propaganda 24-7, and they starved him. This is the organization that makes these bracelets of, of a barbed wire fence so I can remember the persecuted church. The communists, they put him in this, in this solitary cell and they blasted their communist propaganda. There's no God. God is dead. Your family has forsaken you. Join the revolution. And he said he was going crazy. He said he couldn't even remember the scriptures anymore. His mind was getting so brainwashed he couldn't remember anything. He, his body was emaciated. He was living in his own feces. He was so cold. It was winter. He had nowhere to go. No light in his room. 
But he just started to pace around, and he just, he wrote it in his book, Tortured for Christ. You can read it, Tortured for Christ, free online. And he starts, he says he just walks around in his jail cell, and he says, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. That's all he could say was a little children's memory line, a memory verse from a children's song. And he said the love of God, listen, the love of God came through that jail cell, came through that communism propaganda, and he said the love of God melted his heart and made him know that God was with him. If you talk to people who have suffered in this life, they will tell you that no matter how dark the world gets, Jesus' love still shines brighter. Don't be deceived today to make you think that darkness can extinguish the light. Just try it as an experiment for your house. Go into your deepest, darkest basement, your crawl space, wherever, and just see the darkness as you can see it. Maybe you can't even see your hand in front of you. And then just light a little old, uh, little old match. And there doesn't matter how, many dark, how much darkness is there, that match will light up that place. The love of God is what lights our heart. It's what Jesus says makes us more than conquerors. Can I get Adam to come to the, the, uh, the guitar, please? I want you to think about this now personally. Have you ever faced any of these following things in life? Persecution, rejection, personal illness. We have people in our church that suffer deeply from their illness, but yet they're serving God. Have you ever gone through any of these? What about the loveness of, uh, the illness of a loved one? Sometimes that's harder to watch someone else you love, especially children, be sick. You ever experienced death in your family or someone you cared about? Have you been sinned against? Have you faced financial hardship? Maybe during the economy you're still recovering. Natural disaster. I was down there when Katrina happened. I mean, I went right there afterwards. Rather, within a few months, it was devastating. Have you ever been through something like that? Or have you ever suffered for your own sin? You ever just did something wrong and you know, man, that's why, I, that's why this is happening. I'm in jail or I've lost this person in my life. I hurt them. I cheated on them. Or, you know, you lost your money. You lost your house gambling. Whatever. Have you ever suffered that way? Now, be honest with yourself before we close out here. What feelings did you have? Anger? Were you confused? Like, whoa, man, why, why is this happening to me? Doubtful? Oh, is there a God? Sad? I don't know if I can do this anymore. Hopeless? Is there any hope? I want you to listen to this. There's three things to consider when you go through those times because it's not only times in our past, but there'll be times in our future. You think you've only experienced the worst of your life? My friends, you don't know. The worst thing could still be ahead. Don't accuse me of being a pastor who lied to you. I haven't lost my mom or my dad. You don't think that's coming ahead for me? What do you think it's going to be like when I bury them, even just of old age? How sad will that be? I can't call my dad anymore. Hello. The worst days for some of us may still be ahead. But there's a promise he'll never leave us or forsake us, right? We're more than conquerors. But here's what we need to remember. Number one is the father planted the garden to begin with, and we're his. I don't care how much scientists try to explain it. Nothing always produces nothing. Something does not come from nothing. If they think a big bang created everything, I want to know what banged and who banged it. Because if they don't believe in a God, I'll give them the chance. Here's nothing. Let's have nothing bang nothing and see what happens. So until you can prove to me that nothing can bang nothing and make something, I'm going to believe that someone made me. Because that's common sense. Hello. So the very fact that we're all alive should give us hope that we didn't create ourselves.
and we're certainly not like animals. Yeah, they can make an animal count to three or an, an ape do whatever, but they can't talk and communicate. They're not us. You know there's a difference. Hello. I don't care how many squeaks that little dolphin can make. I don't care. It's still a dolphin. It's still, I'm, we're humans made in the image of God. So the first thing we need to realize is, man, God created this world. We can't explain it just through science. Science is a gift that God gave us to understand what, we, what he created. When we take out the idea of the creator, science is meaningless and folly, the Bible says. The second thing we need to remember is that the Father is coming to harvest. We're not going to be doing this forever. The Bible even says to one of our apostles, Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, that the time will get at the end where everybody will think he's not coming back because it's been so long. And they'll begin to say, this has got to be false because he would have come back by now. He said the only reason it will feel that way is because the Father is slow in his judgment and wrath, but he's wishing all to come to repentance. That's the only reason why he's taking his time is so that more sons and daughters can come. But the harvest is coming. He's going to make it all right. And then lastly, here's the part that's going to give us the best trust we can have. Is that if we know we didn't create ourselves and that one day he's going to end this and harvest it, you know, the vineyard there, that we can trust God sees the big picture. That God sees the big picture. There are temporary sufferings in this world we could never understand. But when we see all of humanity... God will show us this is why he did it the way he did it. Just think of it this way. Many of you are here today in this church because of life's tragedies. If you never lost that loved one, if you were never sick, if you never experienced any of these things, some of you would not even be here today. You know why? Because you would be so deceived by evil, you would have no desire to want to change. So guess what? That bad decision that we made, God actually used it for his glory. Because now the wickedness of this world, he turns and he uses it as a mirror to us and goes. He turns it around and he says, do you want it? And we go, no, I don't want it. I'm crying because I, I miss my mother. Well, do you want to see her again for eternity? Hello, he turns the mirror on us. God, I'm crying because I lost my child. Do you want to see your child for eternity? God, I'm crying because I lost my job and this meaningfulness I had here, this productivity. Well, do you want to be productive for eternity? You see, he uses the evil of this world to show us his goodness. And if you say, why did he ever allow evil? Then that would have meant we would have been robots without a choice. So I want to ask you today, do you trust him? That everything in your life will work for good. You see, this is the part that we have to look at, my friends. If God the Father is for us, who can be against us? Now, I want you to see this as we close out today. How many are encouraged? Look at this verse, and would you read it out loud with me? Romans 15, 13, 1, 2, 3. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. In closing today, I want you to, to hear that. God is saying, I'm a God of hope, and I'm going to give you joy and peace in whatever situation you face. That's how you'll know he's real. 
He'll be with you and give you joy and peace. And then guess what? He'll give you hope to give others. So that's why we're here today. Have you ever brought somebody to church and you're so excited to get them to church because you just want them to be encouraged like how you were encouraged? And then when they come, you're like, man, see, didn't that feel good? Didn't that change your life? Did, you know? And it wasn't the, just the preacher. It wasn't just the, the singer. It was because God was here. The Holy Spirit is here. And that's what we're supposed to do. You see, now we have the hope. So we go out and give it around to others. We have an answer for Paris today, and that's Jesus. We come alongside of those who are suffering, and we kneel next to them, and we say, trust God. Trust God. We say, your tears may be now. You may be mourning now, but one day there's a place where Jesus will wipe away your tears. He will take away the pain, and he will comfort your heart. Trust him. We go, why do you just come on, think about it, people, before we close. Why is it Christians are the biggest givers of charity? Why are we the most chaplains? Why are we the most homeless shelters? Go to Chicago, look at all the homeless shelters, all Christian orphanages. Hello, somebody. Why are they all Christian-based? Where is the Hindu orphanage? Where is the Hindu homeless shelter? Where is the Muslim homeless shelter? We go to Hindu nations and help them. We go to Muslim nations and help them. Hello, somebody. Why is it the Christians? Why? Because we have a promise. We know there's hope. That's why we go to the jails. We go, there's hope for you. One of our leaders here got saved in a jail because of a Christian going to the jails. I used to do that. Hello, somebody. Why is it we are doing that? Because we have the hope. So as we get ready to close out, I just would ask you to pray with me, please. And Would you just bow your head, close your eyes, just maybe as a way of not being distracted. And ask your heart, talk to yourself. Do I need hope today? Band and altar workers, would you come please in this moment of prayer? Just look at your heart. Do I need hope? Because there is a gardener today that's not as far as you think he is away from you. There is a gardener today that will take care of you in the midst of these pains and problems. And he's asking you to trust him. But I'm not going to move on from this place until we pray for those who need hope today. You may have gone through a situation that just knocked the wind out of you. Or you may be facing something that just seems impossible. And I wish I could promise you that, it, you know, everything's going to work out. You know, nothing's going to bad's going to happen. But how do you promise that in a world like this? How could I promise that to the people who just lost their families in Paris or Beirut or the earthquake? You know, you know come on, let's not be silly. There are times we need to encourage each other and say everything's going to be okay. And, and that's true. We need to be positive. But I'm not promising you that. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in this world, you will have tribulation. You will have hardships. But you know what he said next? But be of good cheer. Be hopeful. Because I have overcome the world. So let's be very honest as we look in our hearts. We're not asking God why. We're not 
demanding that he fix and change everything, though that can be a prayer at another time. You know, God help me with my marriage. God help me with my finances. But right now we're, we're building a foundation, and that is starting with this question. Do I trust God and have hope in him? So for those of you with your head bowed and eyes closed, if you need hope in Jesus today, you need to feel his love today. Would you just raise your hands just right where you're seated, and I'm just going to start to pray for you, and I'm just going to ask God to meet you wherever you are. You can just raise your hand. Not, I have my eyes closed. I'm still not even looking, but you're doing it as a sign of surrender. The Bible says, lift holy hands to the Lord. This is a way like we surrender our lives in our heart. It's like an example of that. Now with your hands raised, just say, Jesus, I surrender all. All my problems, all my fears, all my doubts, all my pain, all my hurt, and I trade it today for your love. I ask to be filled with your love today, with your joy, with your peace, with your hope. Just a few more moments. Come on, hands raised. I'm going to start to pray right now. Father, Father. Feel your people. Feel your people right now. Let them feel your love. As you fill them, let them feel your love. I pray for a tangible feeling of the Holy Spirit here. I pray for a tangible sense of peace right now. I pray for your love, your Holy Spirit, to bring them joy. You asked us to pray for it, that the God of hope would fill us with all joy, with all peace. Fill us today. Fill everyone today, God. Everyone. Everyone. Come on, if you're feeling the love of God, say thank you, Jesus. If you're feeling the love of God, say thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Gloria a Dios. Gracias, Señor. Thank you, Jesus. I feel you, God. I know you're near me now. If you're not yet sensing the love of God, as we get ready to dismiss in a moment, I'm going to ask that you'll find a prayer worker and they'll continue to pray so that you'll sense his love. But would you all stand up with me now, please? Would you sing this song out together before we enjoy our food? I'll pray a prayer of dismissal for the food. we got plenty of time. We're going to sing this song, I Surrender All. Would you put up the words, good sir? And as we do... All of us here, even if you've been feeling the hope of God, would you just surrender again? Because, you know, I feel the hope of God, but I want to surrender again all my problems, all my hardships, all my troubles to the Lord. So let's just sing this out together. Next verse, all to Jesus. All to Jesus I surrender all. We at His feet 
Come on, how much you think worldly pleasures will make the people of France happy now? Those worldly pleasures do nothing when the heart aches for God. Only Jesus, only Jesus satisfies. So let's surrender our hurts. Let's surrender our pain. Let's come to the Lord and Savior who alone died on the cross for us, who understands our pain. Let's sing the next verse. Listen to the words. All to Jesus. All to Jesus I surrender. Lord, I give myself to thee. I give myself. Fill me with thy love and power. Me with love and power. Let thy blessing fall on me, Jesus. The last verse, the last verse. To That's not the last one. Do you have it? Let's just pause. I want to make sure we sing it. Go ahead. Go to the next one. Is that the only one you have? No, keep going. Okay, we're going to sing this last verse. Find it online. Would you hold the hand of the person next to you as we get ready to do this? How many love to be in the presence of God with their friends and family? Isn't this awesome? We're going to sing this last one together. And then I'm going to pray for the food. But please don't leave if you still don't feel his love. Come up to one of our prayer workers. As a brother or sister, they're going to pray for you to our Father that you'll feel his love. And for some of you, even today, just feeling another person's love will be the beginning of God's love. But trust me, it goes so much deeper than that. Father, I thank you today for this wonderful service. I thank you for our friends and family that are here. I pray, oh God, that we will live in your love, that we won't let anything distract us or take us away from him, that when we see trouble in the, the news or in our own lives, that, Lord, we won't give up hope, we won't let go of our hope and our promise in you, but we will trust you. We'll trust you, the gardener, knowing that we didn't create ourselves you said we were fearfully and wonderfully knit together and made in our mother's womb. And so we will trust you that the one who made us will keep us. And that whatever happens in our life, we will be faithful to you. Because God, you loved us enough to send your son to die on that cross for all the sin, for all the sorrow, for all the sickness of this world. And today we trust him. It's in his name that we pray. In Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Keep holding hands. Let's sing it as a family. I know you want to clap, but sing it as a family. Come on, I'm going to hold my sister's hand. Come on. Now I feel the sacred flame of love. Oh, the joy.
of full salvation. Glory, glory. Now give Jesus a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Lord, bless our dinner. Bless our meal. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. God bless you. You're dismissed. Go enjoy the meal. We'll make a line and have fun. If you need prayer.